All right, here we are. Monday, February 16th. Gig Gab podcast. Number whatever it is. Here we go. Number I'm three. Dave Ham- number three. Yeah, it is number three. That's right. Uh, I'm Dave Hamilton here in uh, Durham, New Hampshire. And Paul Kent out in Las Gatas, California. And it's Monday and here we are again, Paul. Here we are. Been having a lot of fun and uh, learning a lot about uh, how to be engaging in a podcast. But we just have so much good stuff to talk about. I mean, we just you and I just like this stuff so much. So hopefully as people get their hands around it, they're going to kind of learn something. Maybe we'll start getting some feedback and we'll start hearing from people about what else they want to talk about. But tonight we've got a few things, right? We do have a few things. You're um, it, it, since since this is early on, I'll, I'll mention I'm hearing a lot of echo coming from like like room sound from you uh are you far away from your mic are you on a different mic tonight is something has something changed actually i am back on that blue mic because i put the 58 do you want me to switch it out and start again yeah wait right. yeah i'll just pause right here sure all right pause hold on sure you hear me i can hear you yeah i you know what i had a gig and so i took the mic out and this gig just i think i was doing some recording and so that's why sorry if i messed it up you want to start again uh, no, we can keep rolling. That's fine. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. You sound much better. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so you had gigs this weekend. Um, I had one solo acoustic gig, horrible experience, not horrible experience. Just, it was a room, a new place in town. They don't quite know if they want to be a music room. So, uh, it's, it's a wine bar, beautiful place, nice food, good wine. And they build a stage and they put a sound system in but the, they're very sensitive to it's too loud. It's too quiet. And, you know, the volume's riding up and down. He's, they're not quite sure if they want to be um, a music room or a background music room. Got it. Uh, Ever okay. played one of those? Oh, yeah, yeah, man. Of course. <laughs> yeah. 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 They don't. Uh, I, yep. We, I remember we set up uh, when I was down in Texas, I was with this blues rock trio. And we went to this restaurant and, you know, uh, uh, Murray had some originals and we played a bunch of covers too. And, and he had sent her a CD and she really liked it. And, uh, we set up and got the equipment in and, you know, I set up my drums or whatever and I hit my snare drum and Murray got this, get, you know, kind of just, you know, got his guitar going a little bit. And the woman comes up and she says, I had no idea how loud you were going to be. And, uh, she paid us and sent us home right then and there. Yeah. 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 So this guy, he's the guy who owns it is a really nice guy. And I met him before he opened it. And I believe in his heart, he wants to be a music room. But, you know, he's just out of the gate and um, and he's just building his clientele. And I had said, you know, maybe it's a it's a it's a light jazz room, not certainly not acoustic covers, you know, because any of the quiet, it's it's kind of clinky and, you know, a lot of you know, wine glasses clinking it into each other and, you know, and it's a pretty big room. So the, the general din gets up there yeah. and then he's also got neighbors on each side of him, And, you know, he needs to do some soundproofing before it goes to the, it goes through the walls, but it was, it was a tough one, but you know, for me, you know, to turn it around and, and for a performer. And the reason I do these solo acoustic things is just to work on my chops, work on my chops really had to focus because there was essentially no monitor. And so you just really learn as a singer to kind of focus in on the vibration in your head as your, as your relative pitch, yeah, right? Which I totally, is, it, that's the right thing to do anyway. Right. I, I had a, I had a voice teacher once who said that the actual worst thing that you can do to try and fix vocal problems is to listen to yourself 
um, like record yourself and listen to yourself. He said that that is the equivalent of um, someone getting in front of a camera to go watch themselves to see what's wrong. If it was a video problem, he said the whole key to really mastering self-control in, in voice is to just learn how to feel the buzz in your head, where you're placing it, listen to the vibrations, make sure you're syncing up and, and you know, that's how you're finding tune and pitch, which was a really interesting and valuable thing. So I, I spent last Friday night practicing that. Yeah. Well, that's good. You know, there you go. Yeah. Class is half full. Yeah, I listen, I spent the uh, you know, first 10 years I sang from behind the drums without a monitor practicing that. So amazing. Yeah, it's but you're right. You you got to feel it in your head. That's that's where yeah. I mean, you can listen back afterwards and say, "Wow, that would that part was bad," but you're not going to fix that by hearing it then. You got to fix and it. And on the, the fly. Yeah, you got to you got to do it on the fly and you got to use what you got. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Cause that's, that's where you're going to fix it. I mean, unless, unless you're recording it to, you know, to release and then you can auto tune it. But uh, if you got to do that, you're doing something wrong. I that's think. a different game, man. It's a whole yeah. different game. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So I was thinking a couple things we can get to tonight. We got some, I had some fun ideas. You had some fun ideas. I thought a good place to start was this whole concept of putting together bands, like, you know, part-time, full-time, semi-professional, professional, the importance of chemistry in a band, you know, there, there are a lot of guys out there who are, you know, working musicians, they play in seven or eight bands. They kind of have that gun for hire mentality. And there's, there's upsides to that. And there's challenges to that. When you're a leader, you might have different expectations and all I thought would be interesting to kind of flesh out with you is, you know, what is, what is optimal? Is it optimal that everybody in the band loves each other and, you know, has the same common dictionary of music and you're you're expressing a, a shared vision do you get more by learning from people who have a different vision um, is there a right or wrong what's more successful what's less successful what do you think wow you know um it's certainly easy especially at first when you're putting a band together if everyone has at least a common musical interest right you don't have to share everything in common but you need something that you can all sort of hang on to and say yeah i'm into doing this um but but on top of that you got to be able to get along or at least it certainly is handy to be able to get along <laughs> but you don't have to i mean i've certainly played gigs with people that i just don't even know i mean i i, I couldn't say i liked them or hated them you know i just I played music with them once and, you know, we figured out the tunes and played them and had a blast and that was the end of it. Uh, yeah. But but when you're putting a band together, yeah, I, I think it's important. You're going to spend a lot of time with these people. And to me, you know, I um, and, and I guess this is this is that whole mentality of why you do it and and where the hired gun comes from versus, you know, the, the guy who's committed to the band. But for me. I I live for those moments on stage where there's, you know, maybe something even goes wrong, but but just those those kind of shared communication moments where where something happens that that's kind of magical, and um, and I think you've got to be able to get along with people in order for that to happen. I totally agree, and and I would actually take it one step further. A shared uh, common music dictionary is a really huge asset for a band. Because you get to those places where uh, not only is it like the, the spur of the moment requests, but, you know, sometimes you're just in a vibe and, you know, you're feeling something 
and you know that a certain Beatles song would be a really special thing for that moment at that gig. And if you know in your band that everybody in your band is a crazy Beatles fan, the likeliness you're going to be able to pull it out and, and do something cool with it is higher. And yes. it's, it's not just Beatles stuff or Stone stuff, you know, 60s soul, any genre of music. I was going to say, you could say that about 90s stuff even. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, that's one thing that um, uh, it, it has dawned on me with the musicians that I played with. Magic often happens when everybody has a common love for a certain thing. You know, we certainly had that with the Macworld All-Star Band is like, you know, we'll pull out some song and oh, you can hear the sigh of happiness that, oh, that one, you know, and everybody is just dying to dig into it and try and bring it to life because there's this common, um, you know, feeling, this common emotion that that song represents for people when doing covers. You know, it, it's probably a different thing, obviously. You know, you go into an, an original uh, band and you're, uh, you know, you're creating and everybody's adding what their particular skills or talents are. But I'm going to talk about for a cover band, it seems to make a lot of sense that a shared love of a common genre or at least having a starting point is a real great asset for a band. It is. Yeah. And I would say even that that holds true, even playing originals. Right. Because the originals are going to come from somewhere, uh, even if it even if they're not written by all five members of the band. Right. If even if it's just one guy that brings a song in. If if that original came, I mean, if he made it up, it's going to come from wherever his influences are. And if, if everybody's into some of that same stuff, it, it increases the likelihood that that original is going to have the same resonance with, at least within the band of, Oh, I love this tune. I want to play the heck out of this. Right. It would make you crazy. If in your mind, I would imagine as an original artist, if, if you wrote a song with a certain sound in mind, that was your personal musical dictionary, but your band, you know, didn't think that way. It would be hard to take it, you know, something that you've written that comes from your heart in a certain way and have people kind of do what they're going to do to it. Cause that's the way they hear it. Maybe it's great. Uh, but that, I guess that's the difference between being a, a songwriter and you're telling everybody in the band what to play versus a band writing stuff together. Yeah. I've, I've written very few songs, uh, really only ever written one that, that, kind of that I started. I mean, I've been involved in the writing of, of a handful, but really that's it. Um, mostly I'm, I'm just there to, to help arrange and, and, you know, put, put whatever I can into it to help bring the song to fruition, um, in the original stuff I've done. But, but yeah, I certainly experienced that, uh, with the, you know, the one song I wrote in college and I brought it to this band that I was playing in and, and said, and I kind of co I mean, I came up with the idea and then showed it to my brother who was playing in the band with me and, and he helped me flush it out more. And then we brought it to the band and, and they immediately had, it was exactly like you said, it was okay. Well, oh, great. You've got this idea now let's do this. They even started, in fact, the drum part that I played on it, I did not write, right. It was mm. one that somebody said, no, no, you got to play this. It's going to make the song better. And, um, yeah, it, that's an interesting thing to go through. We had been playing as a band together for a while, so there was a, a, a trust there. And these other guys were much more seasoned songwriters than I was. So, so in you know, even more of a trust, like, oh, maybe he's right. May I, I'll at least try it, and we'll see what happens. And as it turned out, he, he was right. But, yeah. but yeah, but yeah, you you need you need. Well, it helps to have that common ground, but it's also good to have. I think you need that trust. You need that openness. And when you have that, then it's actually kind of nice at times to have someone 
in the band or everyone else in the band have, you know, bring their own non-shared interests right to a, to a tune or, you know, um, to, to, a, uh, bring a new genre in or something. It can be interesting. It can be frustrating too, though, <laughs> depending on how that plays out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It gets, it's, um, we have, uh, our bass player in fling, uh, this guy Burke who, whom I, I love dearly. He's, he's a, a fantastic bass player, major deadhead. And, um, it's interesting. We play some grateful dead tunes and I mean, we play tunes from, from all over the place. All these tunes, when we play them, we kind of take the cover and we have to play it. We have to make it our own. Not that we intentionally change it, but we we play it the way we're going to play it. Right. And it, it comes out a certain way. And with it, and, and that's just sort of how it goes with everything. And it's interesting. His his love of the Grateful Dead always has him. I don't think he's ever happy with the way we play dead tunes because he's always trying to, well, you know, you got to play this the way Jerry played it, or you got to, you know, we've got to do this. It's like, wow, that that's just not what this band does. You know, we're not a yeah. copycat band, um, nor do I think that Flynn could work that way. So, I, I mean, I feel bad for Burke in that, in those situations, but it's like, yeah, if you look around, we don't do that with any other covers. So, you know, <laughs> that's how it works. Hey man, I can, I can totally relate to that. I mean, there's, I said last week, I love playing Bruce songs, but, but I also hear the nuances of the Bruce songs and it's incredibly frustrating when we try to play some of these things and the tone of the guitars isn't right or the exact feel of the beat isn't right. You know, the groove isn't quite right or, or, you know, the keys aren't, you know, playing that kind of melody part quite right. It's, it is, it, it makes you literally crazy when these, this song, you brought it in cause it's so freaking important to you. Right. And then right. the band isn't quite, but you know what? The interesting thing is, is when you can get over the hump and let it go and yeah. just recognize this is your band and your band is expressing this song in this way, as long as everybody's coming to the song, you know, with good, you know, open hearts and open minds and, and the intent to do right by the song. Sometimes you actually often you go back to that trust thing. Often you come to something that you can actually be pretty proud of. I mean, it's your buddies in your band. They know this song is important to you. And they're going to give it their best to try and find something special or magic in it to try and interpret it. But it's, it's almost a, a, a it's it, I guess you said copycat band. It's almost a dead end, right? Because, you know, unless you're going to really go to the painstaking details right. of extracting all of the nuances of these songs that make them special. So, you know, I, I myself had to have to learn to kind of listen and find the good in what everybody's bringing to it. And often there's a lot of good. There's usually a lot of good. Yeah you got to kind of let go that, that uh, no, the nuance has to be this. And the way he played it on the 79 tour was like this. Right. And you know, yeah, that's what we, that's what I get out of Burke. It's like, Oh, you got to listen to recordings from 85. And it's like, I feel them. Uh, oh yeah. And it's like, yeah, no, I mean, I will, I'll do it because I'm, I'm interested. And sometimes like, like you said, there's, there's a little nuance that does resonate. It's like, Oh, okay. Wait a minute. I see what you're talking about. Let's, you know, maybe we can approximate that, you know, and we all, at least we all have this common frame of reference in mind. Right. Um, yeah. Because, because especially with the dead, you, you know, their songs did evolve as the band evolved. So if you're talking about a song that they wrote in the seventies, uh, you know, it, it probably went through three or four incarnations throughout their least. career. Right. And so if Burke's hearing, you know, the eighties incarnation and I'm here in the studio version from the seventies, this could be, we could be talking essentially about two different songs. 
<laughs> Absolutely. In, in a way. So, so there's, there is some, some relevance there, but, but like you said, at some point you just got to, you got to let go of it and say, okay, this is the way this band's going to play it. And, and Wait, it's cool. what, you, what you said before is it's not just about letting go. Even the, the great point you made is it's about trust. Right. 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 And, and, and I've actually come to that. I, all I really want is for my band to explore the music with me. It's not that I need them to actually play note for note. What I want is for them to, you know, understand how important it is to me and try and represent. And, you know, once I recognize that they, they do in fact do that, it kind of changed the way that I think about bringing some songs into the band now. Cause you know, and that, you know, maybe that's a, that's a rookie mistake, you know, but I, I would often bring things in and like, Oh, this works so great when Petty did it live. It's going to work great for us when we do it live. We're not Petty. <laughs> not necessarily. No. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it yeah, you know, um one of the topics that that we've bandied around is the idea of vanity tunes, you know, the tunes that you play because they're your band. We talked about it in the last show. We might talk about it more here. But as I was going through the list of what I consider a vanity tune, it was interesting to me because there's some tunes that are obscure, but because everybody in the band for whatever reason, you know, if it's all five of us are totally into playing it, it actually re- usually resonates really well with the crowd. And so the tunes that I kind of put as the vanity tunes, the tunes that we want to play, uh, but we know the crowd isn't going to be into are not necessarily obscure tunes, but they're the tunes that we just don't play well. It's <laughs> what it comes down to. Right. And, and it's, it's that thing where, you know, you're just not, if you don't feel it, it's hard to play it well, even if it's a song you like. So well, I see vanity tunes a little bit differently. So vanity tunes to me are lesser known tunes that you could just as well use the space in your set for something that's going to be a slam dunk, but it's important to you to take a shot. The drummer in my band is a huge Beatles fan, is a huge Stones fan. This is very, very, very emotional music you know, to him. Um, and you know, he will want to pull out a song uh, uh, another Bruce song. Actually, we're looking at doing something off of Bruce's last album. Uh, we take care of our own. I don't know if it's going to be a great dance song for us, but he loves what it says. You know, he, he you know, we do. Um, why can't we be friends? You know, th- these are that's not obscure. Sure, but we could use the space in the set list for something that'll be a slam dunk, and we know it's going to happen. But we afford ourselves two, three, maybe four slots per night where we can kind of express some song that is very meaningful to us and, uh, and uh, see if we can make it go over. Cause you know, we're doing a good job and everything else. Right. And I, I don't think you can do much more than two, three or four. I mean, I, how many will you do in a night? Well, it, it depends. It depends on what kind of gig it is. And, and we also throw originals in and it could be argued that every original falls into this category, right? Absolutely. It, it could be, but you know, as I'm looking at the list, we've got, um, there's two tunes that come to mind immediately. This tune called get back home. I think I mentioned last time it was written by Ray Pachkowski. It's a cover, but not really. No one knows this song, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it may be the five of us know it. And, and the only reason I know it is because Burke brought it in. Um, that tune and then a, a fish tune that Burke also brought in. He thought it was a little feet tune called sample in a jar. They had covered it, uh, on one of their albums, but, um, these tunes are obscure. I don't, it, the, the fish tune, occasionally somebody will know it in the bar, you know, but, uh, for the most part, I don't expect anyone to know it when we started. It. It's not like starting Jenny, Jenny, right? Where you, you, I, you know, everybody's going to, Oh yeah. But 
with both of those tunes, they're slam dunks for us. By the end of the song, the crowd is totally into it. We played the heck out of it. And uh, and they they win they win every time. So it's hard for they are vanity tunes by your definition, but for us, not even close. They're just guarantee wins every time. Yep. You know what I mean? So, but I look at a tune. You know, we we've, we've got. Um, uh, I'm trying. I'm trying to think of. Uh, I'm looking at, at tunes here. Oh, walk away. The old uh, the old James Gang tune, right? That, yep. the, that Joe Walsh wrote. I love the tune. Uh, our guitar player, Mike brought it in. He loves it. It never goes over. Well, it just, it, for whatever reason, it's everybody knows the song, right? Everybody's heard it before. It never works, but we like to play it because we like the song. So, and I think it's that it's just, it's a really actually a hard song to get right. It's a, it's a very difficult group. The original version is a real difficult group. I think when Walsh did it with the Eagles, they kind of, they, they grooved it a little bit more and it, and it's a, whatever like the eagles fair one of them yeah. the seven farewell tours yeah but i agree the original very hard to you know get rolling along and it's choppy there's a there's a there's an interim version that walsh did live with the james gang that's not even close to either one of those right it's 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 a it's actually i think the best version of the tune fish does it live um more like that than any other and it works great for them um, that's kind of the one that we go after. That was the one that Mike brought in. Uh, but I, you know, it just doesn't, it doesn't work, but we play it cause we like it. Dancing days is another one. Um, everybody knows the tune, but, um, and we, I think we play it well, but you know, I don't know. It, it feels like it, it's certainly the moment, you know, that we're counting it off. It feels like one of those vanity tunes. Sometimes it works. Think, sometimes it doesn't. I think Zeppelin in general is kind of tough. I mean, you can do, um, depends um, on the Zeppelin, but yes, in general, I mean, it's so iconic and it's performed so iconically yeah. and the tone of it is so, you know, has to be so genuinely heavy in order to get that feel. It just seems like there's a lot of Zeppelin that's pretty tough to pull off. No, you're right. In general, it's true. We do, uh, three Zeppelin tunes. That's one of them. We do tangerine, which we, uh, which we segue into, uh, easy to slip. And then, uh, and then we do Fool in the Rain. Fool in the Rain's a slam dunk. That's easy. That's a slam dunk. That, yeah. that, that, that would be you, the most obvious one. Yeah, as long as you have a drummer that can play that shuffle. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, we got that covered. <laughs> You're very lucky. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but, it, but, you know, it's, so it was interesting going through the list and, and kind of realizing what, what are the songs where I hesitate? Like, when I see it on the list, it's like, oh, do, is, you know, is this the right moment to potentially lose everybody? <laughs> Yeah. And, and they're not the songs that if you looked at the list without knowing the band that you'd, that you'd necessarily pick some of the originals, most of the originals fall into that category. But, but even then we've got some originals that are just killer. Um, I have the, 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 the great fortune of working with some killer songwriters. And I mean, some of these originals are better than the covers we play. Well, a lot of it is where and when, right? Right. That's right. Yeah. 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 We have one song we started last year. So um, we took this off of a live Earth, Wind, and Fire album. So I got a five-piece horn section and great players. And so we took this um, song called Africano Power. It's like this big, you know, um, percussive groove. And then the horns layer on. And, and then the rhythm section kicks in. And then a couple of solos. And on the surface of it, it's awesome. I mean, it's it grooves. The horn line is unbelievable. Yep. Uh, it's very funky. Uh and we've tried to place it in a couple places, opening the show with it, 
you know, first song of a second set of a two set show. And uh, we've had one time where it worked pretty well, but it, it, it never seems to grab people as much as it seems like it should on its surface. It never really, you know, does that thing. And you can't figure it out because it's a great song. The horn line's unbelievable. The drums are, you know, fantastic. And it just grooves and grooves and grooves. But it's just, uh, you know, I think we're being ambitious with what we thought we could sell sometimes. Yeah. Um, I'm going to stick with it, though. I mean, it's, it's, we're going to see. Maybe it's just something you just got to season and, and, uh, and just keep doing it until you, it eases into its place. Well, that, that happens sometimes, right? And, and sometimes, you know, you play it for whatever, three or four months, and then you put it on the shelf because it just didn't work. And then something, you know, sparks your 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 memory at a gig or as you're putting together a set list. And it's like, oh, dude, we should play that song. And then it's great. It's good to go. Yeah. And, you know, and and I, I mean, I think part of it is um, getting everybody's head into it. Right. You know, maybe maybe between, you know, when you played it and, and when you brought it back. The, you know, the drummer heard the, uh, the version on the radio and realized, oh, it should just be a hair faster or what, you know, or whatever, right? There's that, that little moment of, oh, that's the trick to making this song work. Cause there is a trick to a lot of songs, you know, there, or there's usually one, at least one important thing that if you get that thing wrong, it doesn't matter what else you do. It's going to be a wreck. And, you know, and sometimes you just don't know what that is. Do you find when you start a show, like if it goes slower than, you know, if people aren't quite getting into it as quickly as you want, do you find, do you actually feel the band tightening up, waiting for people to kind of get into what you're doing? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And uh, yeah, so, so, you know, you go three or four songs, people aren't dancing yet. People aren't, you know, you're not, you don't even have their attention. Sometimes I can actually sense, you know, when the band is like, can we just get to the good stuff and just, you know, blow them away right now? Cause we usually start our shows, you know, especially if we know people are going to be easing into the room, start them a little bit slower. Sure. But you know, having that one song that uh, says, okay, we're, we're done experimenting. We're done. Any vanity statements, we're moving on right now. And then you just kind of kick into the show that you know is going to be your gold. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes that's what you got to do. Yeah, it's, it's it's fun though. It, I mean, feeling it all out. And sometimes what you need to do is just play a tune that you know is going to get the band into it. And we talked about that last time, right? You know, yeah. just kind of getting that going. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, we'll talk more about vanity songs. We should start keeping a list and you know start putting them out there and and uh, you know start uh, maybe every week have, or every couple of weeks come up with a couple and. Have you, have you ever thought of that one and maybe give some people some good ideas? Well, and, and also just talking them out and maybe solving some problems for ourselves here too. kind of, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I'd love to figure out what would make walk away work. I have some thoughts, but you know, and, and sometimes it's a different band, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's okay. It's like, well, that that's fine. You know, well, that's a good point. Cause a lot of times the magic in what you're hearing is the very subtle thing of the guitar player's attack on his strings and, you know, or, you know, this slight behind on top in front of the beat type of thing. I mean, some of it is, is, is just this very intuitive thing. And that's what made those songs magic. Walk away is a really, really great one. As you're talking about it and I'm kind of thinking about it, it is, it's just kind of a choppy, you know, it stops, you know, it, and, and it changes feel a couple times in there. It's a really interesting one to try and get going. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's not an one. easy song to play. We play Rosalita. That that's oh, an interesting one. Oh yeah. 
So that was my first vanity song, you know, one of my all time favorite songs. It's this big elaborate thing. And, you know, it's like this multi-part, you know, thing. And uh, my drummer nails the hell out of this thing. And he drives the bus on that on that song. Joe does an amazing job. And he just, uh, you know, he knows every subtle lick and, you know, he's just there for every specific part of it. He's, and playing, sold- he's playing along with the radio in his head. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. You know, and that. Yeah. Yeah. And we've, we've sold that song sometimes and, you know, and then the reward on vanity songs of course is when someone comes up and says, I've heard, I've heard that before, <laughs> you know, I, I know that song. Don't I know that song? I mean, you've done it so well and you've sold it so convincingly and you've delivered it so seamlessly that it feels natural to people. That's when you know that a vanity song works. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, that's, that's one indication. Another is when you just feel like you played the heck out of it and you know, you pat yourself on the back and you move on. <laughs> And sometimes that's okay. Sometimes that's what you need, right? You know, especially if you got three or four tunes that it's been light to start. You, sometimes you need one to just say to yourselves, okay, yeah, w- wow. Okay, good. We're still a band. We still kick ass. Okay, let's go. You know, oh, fair enough. Sometimes. Fair enough. Yeah. Yep, yep. Well, onward we go. Onward we go, right? That's that's how it goes. Um, do we have time to go to circle back to chemistry a little bit? Yeah, I think I think it's a good thing to do. So, so let me let me offer this. Okay. Uh, uh, so, you how did you find the the bands that you're playing in right now? Um, yeah, good. So, Fling, um, my when we moved to this area uh, ten years ago, my wife and son took a uh, mommy and me yoga class, and the son and wife of one of the guitar players in Fling were also in that class, and I don't know how. They, the, you know, they got to talking or whatever. And my wife and, and Russ's wife, Lynette, got to talking and, and said, oh, my husband plays guitar. Oh, my husband plays drums. They should get together. So I was just invited over to the house on a Friday night. I literally didn't meet these guys until I walked into their rehearsal room. Oh, yeah. And but, they had another it, drummer going. So that, that's how I met that band. Yeah. And actually, and, but was that like one of the first one of the first bands or one of the first people you played with when you moved up there? Uh, they were the second band I played with the first, the, the first band that I found is a band that I'm not currently playing with. I don't think they're currently playing. Uh, it was a band called knockoff, which was a four piece classic rock cover band, female fronted, uh, cover band. And I just found them in Craigslist. So I'm going to tell you those, the sordid tale of the house rockers getting together. So yeah, I, I think I'd shared a couple of episodes ago. I had put the guitar down for a while. Hadn't played but then really, you know, got the itch and, and, uh, and really wanted to do something. So I started putting a band together. I knew nobody. I knew, there was, I knew no scene. I, I knew, knew right. all the musicians. So uh, I had my brother. He was a guitar player. And I figured, hey, you know, well, these are going to be simple songs. You know, you and I can get our way through this. Sure. I serendipitously met a guy who was a drummer. And he was looking for a project. And so he said, yeah, I'll check it out. And, uh, and then I started Craigslist Advertising. And we went through a process of, of, uh, of bass players and keyboard players and other guitar players and singers. And uh, it, it was just a mess. I mean, it was such an incredible, disheartening use of time. But it was the only way I could think of, of how to, you know, start finding other people. Right. So, you know, time goes on. You get your first band together. Some guys come, some guys go. The drummer actually knew he had auditioned for another band that had a five piece horn section. These guys were quote unquote pros, you know, and that uh, they were for hire and I wanted to get a band together. So I actually hired them for a little while 
to, uh, you know, just see if I can get this band off the, off the ground. So paid them a little bit for rehearsals. And then, you know, as we went on, you know, they were guaranteed gig money of a certain minimum. Sure. But it turned out, well, actually it, it turned out interesting of those five guys three of them are with me to this day and they're some of my best friends and I love them and they're amazing musicians, but I had to, you know, get rid of a couple of them and find guys that were a better mix. And so, you know, this whole concept of, uh, of a blend of personalities became more and more and more important to me. I really wanted to like the people that I was playing this music that was so important to me. So, so I'd gone through a couple people and we went through the joke in our band is that we went through kind of a, uh, 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 a litany of, uh, of second guitar players. So yeah, me being a guitar That's player. Right. Yeah. yeah. So you know, me being a guitar player is pretty hard on who the other guitar player was and, you know, the, the preparation and all that type of stuff. Well, and you've got to be able to blend together too. I yeah. mean, that's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So this whole concept of chemistry has been very, very important to me. And now 16 years down the road, the band, you know, we have five or six of the guys have been together almost the whole time. Two more of the guys have been together about 14 years. The newest guy is about four years. Wow. Uh, and we have to see, right. And so it's a band of people who you go back to that earlier concept, a lot of trust, a lot of good give and take. We're kind of like family and sometimes we fight like family, but when I get far enough away from the fights, I can kind of see that they're always meant constructively and you know everybody's skin is in this game everybody wants the band to be the best band in our area to be successful to perform well we we root for each other to get better at our craft and it has gotten to that place where it is this very um all-encompassingly rewarding endeavor and I, I, I i've sat in with other people where it's not like that and i know other bands where it's not like that i know bands where it is like that i mean you know the whole wave of things and you know it, we're talking about human beings here so sure you know some musicians are very insular and they you know they live in their head and and they express and then they need to go back into their head and you know that type of thing my band works this way we're like this interesting collection of personalities uh, that, uh, creatively my bass player said, you know, clearly the sum of the parts is greater than the whole. I mean, none of us have really, uh, achieved the kind of, um, cover band success that this band is having at least right now. And it's a very, very good, very um, constructive ongoing thing. Like I said, we make each other crazy sometimes, but that's part of the deal. I don't think you can go through any creative endeavor without the risk. I mean, maybe you're not trying hard enough if you're not walking on that line every once in a while. Yeah, no, you have to. You totally have. I I think it's the right thing. But but it takes some... the way we re and I, when I say we, I'll say the way I react to those types of things in my 40s is a lot different than the way I reacted to those types of things in my 20s. Absolutely. Right. right? You, you know, you, you learn that, oh, this is like you said, this is actually a good thing. We just got to, you know, breathe and OK, you know, the, well, we, yep. Another, you know, like a related topic. And maybe we should get a whole episode to this is for the people out there who are starting bands who have a day job. You know, they, you hear the term dad bands or, you know, there's a lot of these uh, executive bands and, you know, there's a lot of guys out there who they work in, you know, demanding day jobs and music is their outlet. A really interesting topic of discussion is you cannot, I defy you, you cannot bring the same management skill set to what you're doing in your day job, to what you're doing in your band. Oh, I yeah. just 
That's it a whole, just, that's a whole, that's a great conversation to have. I, I, absolutely. I, I'll put it on the list. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I want to, I want to, I want to revisit one part of this chemistry thing that I'm, that I'm, I've gone through before and I'm, I'm going through again and kind of saw some of it this week. I, uh, I do some theater, uh, from time to time and, and that's a whole different thing because you're in a band uh, and this is a, this, this production that I'm doing is called Goblin Market. So the, the music is more classical than, than, than folksy or rock and roll. Um, it's all, it's all written out for this. I'm actually, I don't know how I got roped into this, Paul. Um, <laughs> I, I do know how, but, uh, somebody told me, oh, it's a percussion part with some simple synthesizer lines. You can cover it. I'm like, okay, great. And so I, you know, I signed up before I saw the book. Right. And the synthesizer lines are not easy. And the thing is, I, I can read drum parts all day long. You know, I can sight read them all day long. No problem. Thank goodness, because all my practice time has gone into writing in the notes for the, uh, you know, for the keyboard parts so that I can actually play this thing. But we had our first rehearsal this week. And it's interesting what happens with theater, because. Uh, you, you know, you get these in this, it's four people. There's a, there's a piano player. Uh, there's me playing whatever it is I'm playing. And then, uh, for this one, there's a, a violinist and a cellist, but the four of us have never met before. Um, I don't even think the, the piano player is the musical director, but I don't, he certainly didn't, he wasn't the one that hired me. I've never met him before. I was hired by one of the singers in the, in the cast, um, which is not uncommon, you know, in, in local theater productions that everybody just kind of reaches out and, okay, we need a drummer that can play keys who, you know, who knows that person kind of thing. And uh, so, you know, even the musical director, there's no one person that knows everyone. And yet what's going to happen, I guarantee is, you know, we're going to do three weeks of shows, but before, and so it's going to be three shows a weekend. Um, before those three weeks of shows, we're going to have probably two or three rehearsals with uh, just us at the, as the band. And then we will have five days of rehearsal together, uh, in what's called tech week when, you know, the show is actually put together with the cast, um, in the theater as we kind of work out all that stuff. So by the end of that first weekend, we will have been together for seven days and, uh, played this show. However, many times we wind up playing it in those seven days, uh, you know, four of them will be in front of crowds of varying sizes. And by the end of that, you know, by like the Tuesday of the week after tech week, I start missing these people, right? I mean, you, you become a family really, really fast. Um, but it's interesting seeing how that sort of germinates. And, and even at the first rehearsal, we had it here at, at, at my studio, and I could see there's like these little friction points that everybody kind of has. And it's like, okay, how's, how's that going to play out three weeks from now? You know, when we're, when we're dealing with yeah. something, these two people have to live. We basically have to live together. You know, I mean, when you're in this, you're in it. And, uh, and so it's, it, it, and then after it's over, you know, you, you lose touch with these people until the next one comes around the phone rings. It's like, oh yeah, yeah fine. Great. You know, and, but it, but it's important. You know, everybody walks in as a hired gun. Right. That's yep. how it is. And yet the point is not to be hired guns is the point is to play like a unit. And in theater, especially there's tunes that start with a head nod. There's no count off. Right. You know, sometimes that it's just, there's just not room in the piece. You've got to go from one song to the other. There's no time for a count. There's nothing. It's you know, you're going to go right from this song to that song. And that song's, you know, at 120 beats per minute in four, four. And this one is at 70 beats per minute in three, eight. Go, 
right? Oh, <laughs> you know, yeah. that's it. So it's a lot of trust. It's all trust. And it's not well, just trust amongst the band. It's trust between the cast and the band. So it's, it's a fun thing, but, um, but the chemistry is weird. It's a, it's an emotional roller coaster for sure. Doing the theater thing. Well, I'll only offer this that every once in a while I have to bring a sub in for, for uh, my band. Yeah. And uh, so, and over the years we've had a number of them. Invariably the best subs the true pro 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 guys. Now there's a lot of people out there. They think they can play their instrument and therefore they're, they're a pro sure. being a, a pro is a very different thing. The true, true pro guys, not only do they walk into your band and play the hell out of the, out of whatever you're asking them to play. They, and I believe this is the soul of, of, of a true musician. They're getting off on playing with different people and, and, you know, getting to know different people musically and so, you know, they come in and, and, you know, if they're really good, they probably won't even come back, even if it's a paid gig. Sure. They won't come back if there's not something there. Right. You know, it, it's like music is just too important to them to waste it on people who aren't going to participate in the communication. So that chemistry, trust, even with pros. And, and the lesson I've learned is the best of the best pros are looking for that communication as the way to express music in the most meaningful, interesting, productive, collaborative way. And that's, that's what we're doing, man. Whether we know each other for years or years, or if you've really gotten to the point where you just can come in with your ears and your eyes and fit into a unit, you know, for whatever reason you have to, sure. be it a pit band, be it a, you know, subbing for a cover band or whatever it is. It is it, you know, all these things we talked about today, trust, collaboration, you know, listening, chemistry chemistry even whether it's all the time or it's occasional that's the magic in making music when you know, otherwise just sit in your bedroom and do it yourself right yeah yeah and i want to talk about that too you know next time and next, next time, time might be three times but uh, from now but uh, but yeah i want to talk about the difference between playing in your bedroom playing along with the you know the cd when you're learning a tune playing with a band because there's a there's a process to learning tunes and I think there's, I think there's actually something to explore there. How we, I how agree. we go about that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we were all over the place today, but we covered a lot of ground, but I think it's all, it's all, you know, this is, would be the types of things that are on my mind all the time. I, you know, I love talking with other musicians and just, uh, you know, seeing what their head is on all these types of issues. So hopefully you had a good time with this one, Dave. I had a great time. Hopefully uh, everybody that, that gets to listen to this had a good time too. You can find us at uh, giggabpodcast.com. And, uh, and I tried to get the domain gig gab, Paul, but as, uh, as I found out, somebody registered it about three weeks before we came up with the name here. Somebody and, grabbed gig gab. Yeah. And I've actually talked to him. Uh, he has potential plans for it. It has nothing to do with music. Um, and it might not even work out. So we might wind up getting that anyway, but for now we are gig and we may always, we will certainly always be gig Uh, we'll let you know if there are any others to add to that list and you can find us there and, and we'll put up some stuff as to how to contact us. Cause we'd love to hear from you about your ideas, what, what you think about what we just said. Cause I know there were moments where you were screaming at the, at, 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 at your iPod saying, Oh no, 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 no. I want to say this. We'll say it, you know, send it into us. That'd be great. Feedback sure. at gig We'll make that email address work somehow. I don't know how, but we'll make it work. Thanks for listening. Thanks for hanging out, Paul. This is fun, man. I look Always fun, Dave. Yep. Yep. Next time. Next time.